Welcome to Behind the Curtain, LA Opera's podcast series in which we look deeply at the creative process and explore opera's enduring themes and power to move us. Jeremy Frank, LA Opera's associate chorus master, is actually a man of many talents, conductor, pianist, educator, and mixologist. He is certainly the delightful host of LA Opera Connect's popular Opera Happy Hour web series. When you have time, you'll want to check out LA Opera's website at www.laopera.org, where you can find an entire library of Opera Happy Hour episodes in which Jeremy invites us to join in the fun of learning about opera and your beverage of choice. Cheers. Hi, and welcome to Opera Happy Hour. My name is Jeremy Frank, and I am so happy to invite you to this special summer edition of Opera Happy Hour. Now, if you're anything like me, summer is the time when I like to get away from it all and go on some kind of vacation. One day, I realized that what I'm missing isn't actually saving up all of our pennies so that we can go and spend two weeks in some exotic location. Okay, truth be told, now that I say that out loud, I am definitely missing that too. But actually, what I'm really missing is finding opportunities to explore new places and meeting up and reconnecting with old friends. All of a sudden, I realized that as long as I identify these ingredients of what I'm missing and create a recipe that will really capture the essence of what I love about travel, I'll at least have a chance to have some of those relaxing feelings that vacation can provide. And then I realized that this special summer edition could be the perfect opportunity for me to invite you to join me for a virtual vacation, a virtual operatic vacation, if you will. One of the truly great things about opera with regards to travel is that tons of our repertoire is set in exotic locations, or at least locations that feel pretty exotic to us Americans. And often, the more exotic the locale, the more lush and beautiful the music of the opera is. So this is a total win-win situation for us. I'd like to take you on a whirlwind virtual tour around the world, and hopefully by the end of our time together, you'll feel like you got a little chance to let your hair down, relax, and enjoy some beautiful music. Let's start with our drink pairing. I couldn't resist the opportunity to pair this show about exotic travel with a tiki drink. Now, those of you who are tiki fans know that tiki bars are exotic-themed watering holes that are largely based on romanticized conceptions of tropical, often Polynesian, culture. That's because the word tiki comes from Maori and was the name of the first man. In many ways, that's no different from how opera often explores romanticized conceptions of foreign cultures in order to be able to make stark commentary on the social dynamics of their own time. I'm drinking a concoction called a barrel of rum, which is equal parts white and dark rum, lime, orange, and grapefruit juice, passion fruit syrup, and the extra dramatic part, flaming overproof rum. It's super fun and super delicious. If you don't have the raw materials on hand for a tiki drink at your place, pour whatever you have that is festive and let's get on our way. Cheers! For the first stop on our virtual vacation, I wanted to dive into the music of Giacomo Puccini, 
the composer of opera mega-hits La Boheme and Madama Butterfly. Puccini was popular in his day, but since his death 95 years ago, he is considered now to be the best Italian composer next to Verdi. Let's start with his penultimate opera, Johnny Schicchi, his only comedy, written in 1918 and premiered in New York City at the old Metropolitan Opera. If one of my favorite things to do on vacation is to explore new places, particularly on foot, this opera offers us a perfect location, the city of Florence, Italy, or as it's known in Italian, Firenze. Though the city is actually ancient and one of the few places that successfully weathered the decline of the Roman Empire, it is the last few centuries of art, culture, music, financial and scientific leadership that still bring millions of people a year to see the city. Puccini offers us a picture of the city in the year 1299, just in the dawning days of the Renaissance. His title character, Gianni Schicchi, is actually historical. The poet Dante mentions him in the 30th canto of his masterpiece, The Inferno. Now, for those of you who haven't read The Inferno, and God knows I haven't, I want to save a full description of the plot for a future episode. But let's not let that keep us from checking out two charming musical examples as we take a look around the city. First, let me introduce you to a character who will serve as a perfect tour guide for us, Rinuccio Donari. Rinuccio is a young man in a huge extended family of double-crossing schemers. Without any forewarning, he and his relatives find out that they have been disinherited by their recently deceased patriarch, Buoso Donati. Rinuccio realizes that to get his family out of this pickle, they have to rely on the infamous Gianni Schicchi, who is not only a social climber, but also a commoner. Rinuccio's judgmental and greedy family can't help themselves but to gossip about Gianni's origins and his lack of a prestigious family tree. But in his aria, Firenze come un albero fiorito, Rinuccio argues that Florence is a city like a blossoming tree whose central trunk is rooted in the Piazza dei Signori, but whose roots draw from all of the beautiful and fertile valleys and countryside throughout the entire Tuscan region. As he sings, he not only enumerates many of the city's most beautiful places, like the Piazza Santa Croce, the Piazza dei Signori, the Arno River, the castles of the Val d'Elsa, and the Mugello Woods, but he also name-checks some of the most prestigious adopted Fiorentinos of the time, like the famous Medici family, who originally came from the outskirts of Florence. At the end of his aria, Rinuccio caps off his argument with a beautiful sentiment. He says, Enough with narrow-minded hatreds and grudges. Long live newcomers to Florence and Gianni Schicchi. I find it so refreshing to hear a character be so proud of his hometown while also being so welcoming to the world. His song sounds something like this. Firenze come un albero fiorito Che in piazza dei signori ai tronco e fronde Ma le radici forse nuova portano 
alla cuvalli limpide feconde. Se germoglio ed alle stelle salgon palaggi saldi e torrisnelle. L'arno prima di correre alle foce Andava ciando piazza Santa Croce e il suo canto è sì dolce sì sonoro che a lui son scesi i ruscilletti in coro. Così scendan vidotti in artie scienze a far più ricca e splendida Firenze. E di Valdelsa giù dalle castella, ben venga Rolfo a far la torre bella, e venga Giotto dal Mugel servoso, e medici mercante coraggioso. Basta con gli odi cretti e coi ripicchi, Viva la gente nuova e Gianni Schicchi! Now, lest you think Rinuccio is saintly in his embrace of Gianni Schicchi, I should mention his other underlying motivation. The poor kid is head over heels in love with Gianni's daughter, Lauretta. If you think you don't know Lauretta already, you are almost certainly wrong. She's the lady who sings one of the top ten most famous arias of all time. Oh, mio babbino caro. This aria sounds quintessentially sweet, almost saccharinely so. But if you know the Italian words, the song is actually hilarious. And you know that Lauretta is shrewdly manipulating her dear little daddy, like any 17-year-old girl would do. Both Gianni and the rival Donati clan have drawn hard lines in the sand, saying that their children may never marry a member of the other family, under any circumstances. Lauretta, sensing that the two families are going to have to rely on each other as they never have before, pleads with her daddy, saying, Please let me marry Rinuccio. He's so handsome and I love him. If you say we can marry, I'll go to the old bridge over the river Arno and I'll buy a wedding ring. But if you say no, I'll throw myself over the bridge to my death. Now, Johnny is no fool. He knows he's being played by his daughter, but he simply can't resist her. Puccini, in his genius, creates a melody that none of us could resist. This aria is usually sung by a soprano, but I'd like to play it today as a piano solo. Thank you. 
If the first leg of our virtual vacation showed the joys of exploring new places, and also the usefulness of finding a great tour guide, our next destination is built around another one of my favorite things to do on vacation, connecting with old friends. Let's travel onward to the country now known as Sri Lanka, but let's also time travel to the late 19th century of French composer Georges Bizet, who would have known this country as Ceylon. In two previous episodes, we already explored Bizet's most famous opera, Carmen, and you might be assuming that the composer of one of the most famous operas of all time has a huge output of pieces. In fact, Bizet only wrote about 10 operas, and really he's only known for two of them, Carmen and his first ever opera, Pearl Fishers, or Les Pêcheurs de Perles. That's the piece that we'll dive into today. And you're welcome, because now we have some dad humor that makes any vacation complete. The opera opens on the seaside village in Ceylon, where all of the villagers are making their living diving for pearls in the shallow sea just off the coast. On this particular day, everyone is gathered together to elect a new king of the village. They enthusiastically choose Zurga as their leader, who gratefully accepts. As the festivities commence, Nadir, another pearl diver, returns to the village after a year away. He and Zurga are good friends, but as it turns out, the reason that Nadir has been away from the village is because both men saw a beautiful Hindu priestess in a temple one day, and each of them immediately fell in love with her. Their inevitable jealousy risked poisoning their friendship forever, and Nadir decided to leave the village. Now, there's definitely more to that story, but for our purposes today, all you really need to know is that the two friends are happy to see each other again. So happy, in fact, that they have to sing a duet about it. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, Jeremy, you're going to sing a duet with yourself? Yeah, that's totally what I'm going to do. As you'll hear in a moment, the sweet harmonies of these two reconnected best friends are simply too beautiful to omit. And since we musicians aren't able to collaborate in the same way that we usually do, we are all finding creative ways to make music with ourselves, so to speak. Some of you may have seen the production we did of Pearl Fishers at LA Opera a few years ago. That stunningly beautiful production by Penny Woolcock aims to mingle costumes and scenery that depict a mix between an older worldview of what Ceylon might have looked like with modern dress and visual images that could be found in the cities of Sri Lanka today. The point of all of that is to underline the timelessness, both of the perils that these seaside villages experience in the time of massive climate change, and the timelessness of the drama inherent in love triangles. Je crois 
stop on today's virtual vacation will bring us back to Italy, to the late 19th century Venice of Jacques Offenbach's The Tales of Hoffman. If the first legs of our vacation had to do with exploring new places and reconnecting with old friends, this segment is all about drinking in the ambiance of an exotic environment as it swirls around you. It is true that Offenbach's final and unfinished opera is massive and ambitious in scale, but we're going to focus just on one little part, his famous Barcarolle, a romantic folk-sounding song that evokes the kinds of tunes Venetian gondoliers would sing as they ferry couples up and down the canals. Hoffman sets his Barcarolle as a duet, as if you could almost hear the interlocking amorous intervals of our young lovers. But the piece has to be one of the most unusual songs I've programmed thus far on Opera Happy Hour. What makes it unique is that aside from evoking a sense of place and mood, this music does absolutely nothing to depict characters or advance plot. It is simply and unashamedly some real purdy music. In case you're worried that that might make the music dull, never fear. Sometimes this kind of evocative moment is exactly the inspiration that stage directors and set designers revel in to create gorgeous and moving stage pictures. Oh, <laughs> 
Thank you so much for joining me on this virtual operatic vacation. I hope you had a great time. I know I certainly did. In the meantime, I hope you stay happy and healthy. Cheers. You've been listening to LA Opera's Behind the Curtain. Thank you and see you at the opera. If you've enjoyed listening to LA Opera's Behind the Curtain, you'll want to make sure you don't miss an episode. Please subscribe and leave a rating or review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to share this with your friends on Twitter and Facebook, and we'll see you at the opera.